2: play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary
1: void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
2: you're listening to that chelsea podcast episode 90 Goodness and ghosts laid to rest Welcome back to that Chelsea <laughs> podcast where, for the first time in five years, Chelsea have won at Goodison Park. Well, yeah. Chelsea take five t- took six attempts to get it right, and I took two attempts to get the intro. You listeners will have not heard that failed intro, but you might have heard Tom Cody's laugh as I went for the second attempted intro. Tom, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Nick. That's uh, that's, that's made me even happier, I think,
1: this morning. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Tom, it's been lovely to get you. Back on obviously during this summer we've been talking about you know cricket and DMs actually talking about bringing to baseball and now we're going to talk about Tuka Ball, which I guess is quite uh, stark contrast to 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 Bazble. we're probably accumulating more about two point five runs and over under Tuchel, but you know it's doing a good job and it's old fashioned maybe moment, but it's winning games of football and we'll get on to it um, as always do a guess when you give yourself a plug and tell people where they can find you and all your work yeah so
1: as always still uh, at Tom Coley forty nine on Twitter for sort of your general ramblings about. Chelsea's youth, cricket, a little bit of everything, really. And then for the more professional stuff, all my articles are at Football London, which is at football underscore LDN on Twitter, and mainly Chelsea-related stuff at Chelsea underscore FL on Twitter. That's sort of the main place. And uh, as the new season starts as well, still involved at the Chelsea social, where I'm uh, proud to plug that I'm a good friend of uh, one of the breakouts of Chelsea Twitter this summer, Rob Pratley, who's become an absolute go-to uh, he would hate to be called an ITK, but he is basically an ITK at the moment. So a little bit of a plug for Rob Prattley and also the Cy Phillips gang that have been awesome this summer for Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Twitter and Transfer News.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we'll be talking about one of those transfers shortly. But Tom, let's go to the football first, because the Premier League season did start yesterday and it said it was a Goodson Park where we not won since 2017 when we won the Premier League. And In fact, the last two seasons, the last two times we've won a Goodson Park. It's been in the season where we've won the Premier League. So we've won on opening day. So, I mean, logic would dictate that, you know, history would dictate that. That means winning the Premier League this season. So we've got nothing to worry about. It means the remaining 37 games. Well, I've got a feeling that will not be the case this season. Um, but anyway, talk about it. one new Everton. It's kind of a weird game to digest. Just your like, quick forward sort on what we saw yesterday.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember who said this quote um, or where I read it. But it was somebody said, um, Chelsea are hard to beat, but they're not hard to stop basically in essence, which is Tuchel wanted them to be hard to beat. We still are pretty hard to beat. You can see that. Came th- came third last year, but we've started off the season and it still looks pretty easy to sort of like blunt us, blunt the attack, whether we blunt ourselves, whether it's too easy for opposition to find a tactical way around that. I'm not too sure, but we won. It's opening day of the season. You take the three points and you run, especially from Goodison Park. It was sort of seen possibly people like even looked at it when, when the fixes came out and thought this might even be a tricky task than Spurs at home next week, which sounds a bit ridiculous. But that that's sort of that is the hoodoo around Goodison Park. Nobody expects Chelsea to go there and win or, or get a result. So to go there, get a result, get off to a good start, it's really, really important to get the confidence of this team up because because things are happening and things are happening quickly. And with whatever it is, three and a half weeks left of the transfer window. Um, if we can pick up some momentum on and off the pitch, it would be really, really, really important uh, to get things going in the right way. And as I say, so you can't read too much into these early season games, I don't think, although there are still worries within them that I'm sure we'll get into. I just think it sounds stupid because in football, the start of the season is all about results. The end of the season is all about results. There's probably only like a six to eight week period, usually around November, which is when the World Cup's going to be this year, that performances actually pick up because then it gets into Christmas and then it's too late. You just need to start winning for the final season. Football's all about the results, isn't it? And Chelsea won yesterday, so they have to take that and the positives that come with that, especially after the sort of up and down preseason that they had.
2: Yep, and with that win yesterday, it meant Chelsea won the opening match of a Premier League season for the 20th time. No club have won more. So, yeah, pretty pretty impressive stat there. And obviously, Tom, we saw debuts yesterday, two starting, one off the bench. Um, I guess we'll start with... Once I have Raheem Sterling, I'm going to be brilliant. he was the only good attacker we had on that pitch yesterday out of the five, and that included the two we subbed on with, with Pulisic and Brojo, albeit those two had less time uh, to impact the game. But Raheem Sterling was really head and shoulders above any other Chelsea attacker on that pitch yesterday and basically the main source of source of our threat going forward.
1: Now 100%. He, he looked like, you know, over the summer, everyone was talking about he wants to be the main man. You know, he hasn't been the main man at Man City, even though he... Arguably, should have been uh, for a bit longer, but that's not how Guardiola plays. Chelsea have missed that. Well, we compare him to Eden Hazard, obviously, because that's the last player that Chelsea had like that. But he looked like he took the weight of Chelsea on his shoulders yesterday. Um, when he had the ball, he wasn't looking for the passes; he was looking for the dribbles. He was being selfish. He was driving into the box. He was being he. W- he just added something that Chelsea haven't had. Um, he was almost. This is probably some bad. He's what I think Pulisic should have should be doing for Chelsea now the way he picked up the ball and drove the ball, his speed. There was a a time in the first half, I think he won a foul, three Everton players around him. He just sprinted straight through them. I just thought that who at Chelsea has been doing that? Like people play it safe, people don't run, people aren't quick enough. Sterling didn't, it didn't bother him yesterday. He was happy to take on the expectation of the team. And for a debut, especially with the fact that he basically played up front for most of it, which I know has been sort of an expectation, this sort of fluid thump three, but he, he's not a natural striker. He's not even really a natural false nine as opposed to other players. He's more of a winger. I thought Sterling was, was brilliant in the first half yesterday. In the second half, he obviously didn't have barely anything to live off and fitness issues and stuff like that come into it. But no, I thought Raheem Sterling was exactly what, Chelsea fans hoped he was going to be yesterday. And you see, with the goal that he was offside, that's exactly the sort of goal Chelsea need to score this season. Yes, he was offside, but that is where Sterling picks up his goals. Between 12 and 6 yards out, he pounces, he scores. That's that's what is going to happen for Chelsea next season. Sterling's going to be a massive, massive part of it. And for anybody that had fears about what he might bring to the team in terms of creativity and things like that, I think they should be put to rest pretty early on because if... Sterling was ever going to look rusty. It was going to be yesterday, and he really didn't. So I, I think he's only going to get better from there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess the only main concern is how we get still that attack functioning because, unfortunately, Tom, the front, the other two paired with him were pretty anonymous yesterday. I mean, I jokingly said, "I when this when the lineups came, I just because obviously I had Daniel on the previous week and he, you know, is not the most." uh infused by Kai Havertz at the moment. And I just jokingly said to him, I said 75 minutes, Kai will be subbed off for Armando after a pretty, pretty unenthusiastic, pretty average performance. And that and that was the case, unfortunately. And then Mason Man was also, you know, one of those first subs made uh going off for Christian Pusey. It was just, yeah, just n- neither of those two were really at it yesterday, were they?
1: Oh, they weren't. Uh, I, think, I I think know I know what know what Dan thinks of Havertz. I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic um, but that being said when I did my season predictions I th- I put down that I thought the biggest disappointment at Chelsea this year was going to be Kai Havertz because lots of people have sort of reached that crescendo which they, which they do um, after two or three years and they say this is a big season for them, it's a big season for them. This is a big season for Havertz. If he doesn't have a good year or a better than good year there will be talk next summer that Kai Havertz could be leaving Chelsea for a, for a cut price basically. He needs to impress this year and of course, the caveat of the first game of the season, Goodison Park. None of the rest of Chelsea particularly clicked that well. I thought there were nowhere near enough bodies in the box from Chilwell and James getting in there to support sort of players like Havertz. But he was pretty anonymous, and and it, Havertz's thing can't be starting slowly, scoring a couple of goals against your sort of mid to lower tier tables uh, teams in the table. All season, you can't get away with that. His record against sort of like, the, I think, teams that haven't been relegated is is, is abysmal in the Premier League so far. Um, and we said it that I think people have said this season that that, that, there, that there is room for Brozier to go and pick a spot for himself. And I think we saw that yesterday because in the second half, he added more than Havertz did in the whole of the second half, even in that 15 minutes, just winning flick ons, running in behind. He looked you know, pretty bullish, like like Broja does. That that's what we sort of expect from him. I was disappointed with Havertz yesterday. I really was because I thought this fluid front three would, would would help him a bit. You know, being that sort of focal point alongside Sterling, alongside Mount, that was Chelsea's best front three going into yesterday. I think most people would probably admit that. But Broja is right, right behind him, and the fact that there are probably legitimate questions going into. Spurs next week over who should start, should it be Broja? should it be Havertz, that tells you sort of the fact that they are basically on an even keel, I think, this season, that, that there is not going to be any favouritism from Tuchel. Um, we saw how animated he was on the touchline yesterday, as always. He's going to be brutal with these decisions this season, and I can see Brozier picking up a starting spot pretty quickly this season if, if Havertz doesn't get going, because Broja stayed for a reason. And Tuchel's had to convince him, and whether it's from transfers or whatever, he is going to be convinced that he can start this season. And if Havertz keeps on dropping pretty anonymous performances, then he, he's he's going to struggle because Chelsea fans aren't going to have the patience with him this year that they've had for the last two years.
2: Yeah, but I guess there's only so you know so long you can live off the winning goal in the Champions League final. And yeah, look, I'm not entirely sure a game yesterday was suited to Kai against Everton. Those big physical defenders, I'm not necessarily sure that is a game suited for him, you know. Everton kind of cutting off the space, allowing us. It was, it's probably one of those, you know, games that's not really for him. But even then, I still think he's got to do more. Because I said, when I can like kindly kind of predict what's going to happen with him, and <laughs> it comes to fruition, that's quite damning of a damning of a player there. And yeah, I said quickly, Mason out. I don't think we need to spend too much on this because he has been Chelsea's player every year the last two years. But that was just a, you know, I guess just an uncharacteristic Mace performance. But just one. But hopefully, you know, he'll put he'll put uh, put right soon because that's kind of what he does.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about Mason Mount long term at all. You know, he'll be right up there for Chelsea's Player of the Season come the end of it. Again, I'm sure. Like that's how good he is. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him put up double figures and goals and assists again in the Premier League. That you know he's gonna he's gonna have a good season. You're you're almost certain of it. Um, and it's not even the case that Mount needs to be playing in a pretty well functioning front three to be good. We saw that last season. He was he was probably the best of Chelsea's attackers and. He's not even a natural attacker. Uh, We don't know what his best position is because we haven't seen him in sort of a deeper midfield role for so long now. But no, I'm not worried about Mason Mount. And um, the fact that, you know, with the five subs, it does offer some freedom. for If he's not playing particularly well, you know, you've got people like Bro, you've got people like Gallagher to come off the bench, Pulisic as well. Could be a really good impact sub um, to have around next season. Um, No, I'm, I'm not worried about him. The fact that he started the season slowly, oh, well, um, I think I think Mount has got so much credit in the bank. I wouldn't even have had him as a talking point, to be honest. It's just because of how high his standards are that we mentioned him. But I'm really not fussed about Mason Mount at all. He'll be playing almost every single game for Chelsea this season, no matter what.
2: Yeah, no, to be honest, I'd say there's only sort of four real outstanding players on pitch yesterday for Chelsea, which were Thiago Silva, Kaldu Kudavali, Raheem Sterling, and then I guess, you know, probably may do a nod to edward mendy but the save he had to make you know he was just solid um in goal and i want to talk about you know our second new signing who started khalid kovale obviously had to go off about just after 70 minutes uh fitness issues uh but tom that was you know pretty pretty encouraging start from him you know he was pretty solid at the back you know and actually probably played more threatening penetrative progressive parts than quite a lot of our other players obviously had a, (laughs) a you know useful part in for the penalty
1: yeah, no, I, I was impressed with Koulibaly, as you say, because it's not an easy place to go to. Um, obviously, he didn't have Calvert-Lewin um, around him, which which would have been a completely different task. And we said off-camera that I think, you know, how how Koulibaly deals with Kane and Son next week, which will be a, a much, much bigger test, could go some way to deciding that Spurs game. Um, but that was a nice introduction for for Bali. Koulibaly. His, his passing looked good. I think sometimes... Um, a press came a little bit quicker than he maybe expected. It had to rush into some passes, wasn't 100% sure, but it's sort of to be expected. Um, and him and Thiago Silva are, I mean, they. if Chelsea are going to have a good year, they're going to be absolutely central to it um, because they're, they're, they're sort of, they're freaks. They've just got this experience and they're only going to make, people like Silva and people like Bali are only going to make Caledou, um Mark Correa's in, in introduction at Chelsea easier because they've got that experience. Silver's been, this is his third year now, isn't it? So, you know, he knows Chelsea just as well as he knows football, which he is, is brilliant. No, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. He, he had a good game made easier by sort of Everton's sort of struggling, struggling forward line, but it was it was a good introduction. He showed his burst of speed to get back to make that brilliant tackle in the first half. I thought it was impressive. I thought it was impressive, but I don't think you could ask for too much more uh, on a first Premier League game.
2: Yeah, obviously, man, match. Thiago Silva, eighty-three touches, sixty-two out of seventy-one passes completed, three out of four aerial duels won, three interceptions, four clearances, and he turns thirty-eight next month. He's three years older than any other outfield player to start in the Premier League yesterday. I mean, yeah, Tom, you know, that was just pretty immense first up from from Thiago Silva. Obviously, kind of, we did see at the end again him sort of struggling with with you know the fitness. And maybe you know, generally, you know, the lack of a quality preseason, always good pre-season We like maybe you know we might feel the effects of him the early season, but that was a really you know just solid showing from him. And again, he, you know, Everton weren't too threatening yesterday, but there were points where they did get in behind us a little bit, and he did have to cut out a couple of dangerous attacks. And he was, he was, you know, that was Thiago Silva we know, and it's nice to see him sort of continue on from last season. The, the man is a freak, isn't he, of
1: nature? He shouldn't be able to be as good as he is. I, I can't think there will be many current playing Premier League footballers around the between the age of 30 and 35 that are still playing at 38, like Thiago Silva's going to be at that level. I can't think of many that have, that have done it ever. He he is, he is that good. Um, it's just that that was your sort of archetypal Chelsea under Tuchel performance, wasn't it? Thiago Silva, man of the match, George penalty wins the game. That's it. That's, that's how Chelsea have been, um, you say, for too long. But he has got to be right up there already with one of the best obviously pound for pound he was free signings that chelsea have ever made his impact on the club on the younger players around him um will have been absolutely massive he will have improved everyone you know he, he, you can imagine if there was a less experienced player playing with Azpilicueta's struggling legs and the new Koulibaly and Ben Chilwell coming back that maybe Chelsea struggled a little bit yesterday but defensively they were pretty solid like Mendy had obviously one really good save to make Um, set pieces were a little bit here and there for him but it's just he just even though he gets angry and he still can't speak much English he just has that calming presence the way he passes the ball he People talk about Jorginho as sort of the dictator of tempo. I think Thiago Silva is actually much more important. His way of pass, his the way he takes touches and just pays the ball through the press, it's so calming. You you mentioned it to me again off camera, the way he cut out the 2v1 um, is in the first half. It was just, it, it, it's, it's extraordinary. And I'm sort of looking back now and you've got, in in sort of more recent memory to 2015, two title winning sides. Um, obviously, one with John Terry, John Terry and Cahill, and the second one with, with Luis Azpilicueta and Cahill. I don't think any of them, even John Terry in 2014, 15, probably hit the levels that Thiago Silva's hit over the last two years. Um, Terry was exceptional in a very, very different way in that Jose Mourinho title winning season, cutting everything out at the near post. But sort of what Thiago Silva has done is I genuinely think quite unparalleled across even those two title winning sites. He he could slot in at any team in the world right now and be right in there as, as one of the best centre backs in, in any team. He would probably be Liverpool's second centre back. He would play for Pep Coelho at Manchester City right now. Um, he's he's that good. Anybody would want him. And the fact that Chelsea managed to get him free and have kept him here, and you can only see him staying on for another season already. Obviously, depending on how his legs go, keep him in a coaching role, keep him in something. You have to keep people like Thiago Silva and Cesar Azpilicueta to an extent when you have them because you don't get experience like that. They, 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 it doesn't just grow. Um, they don't crop up everywhere. They're not available. And Chelsea have him and they need to use him because... He he's different gravy, really. He's that good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess before we get on to Mark Corella's debut, uh, I want to f- just quick, quick one on Edward Mendy. Chelsea keeper Edward Mendy has kept a clean sheet in 47% of his Premier League starts, 31 out of 66. Only Edison, 50%, has a higher clean sheet ratio among keepers to have started at least 50 games. I mean, Tom, look, Edward Mendy didn't have a huge amount to do yes, they Obviously, had that one big save to make. But given how, you know, in pre-season, there were, you know, a couple of areas, obviously... The Arsenal game in pre-season Orlando wasn't great, and then it, the Udinese game was very kind of slow. Getting up to, you know, for the goal we conceded there, and you know, at the back end, you know, he, his performances had dropped a little bit, sort of last season, sort of near the back end, maybe. But it was nice to see. I was just a, a solid, nice, encouraging start for, from Eddie Mendy, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to play this too heavily one way or the other, because I think Chelsea do need to look at the goalkeeping department as a long-term position. You know, you don't want to be left with Edouard Mendy really struggling in a year's time or two years time with, with no alternative, because at the moment our backup keeper could actually be Marcus Bettinelli, um, which isn't really good enough. Um, obviously Gabriel Slonina's joined, but he's 18. You think, you know, if he follows even anything vaguely close to the Courtois path, you're looking at at least three years before he comes back and even vaguely wants to compete for the Chelsea spot, it's going to be a little while. Um, Mendy's not in trouble. He, he's not under any threat, partly because the, the backup options aren't good enough and partly because he is still really, really good. You want your goalkeeper to make key saves. And he did yesterday. Um, you know, he's his, I thought he looked a little bit suspect from corners. Um, first game of the season, physical ever side potentially to do with that. You need them to deal with it. Um But other than that, I had no worries with Mendy. His save in the first half was outstanding. It's a brilliant, brilliant save. It actually reminded me of the uh, Brentford overhead kick one that he tipped over the bar. Really, really good save. And that's the sort of confidence boost, I think, as a keeper, you you need early in the season, especially Mendy will probably know that there's a few question marks. Not serious ones. No one's considering saying he should be dropped. But there are things that you wouldn't expect to be spoken about for a goalkeeper that's been as good as Mendy has for the last two seasons. And his stop in the second half, uh, again from from the corner. Um, I think it actually came from him not being particularly precise about the corner. It's those sorts of things. You need your keeper to stand up and be counted when it matters. And first game of the season, when you're looking for a scrappy win, a tough ground to go to, it was really, really quite a. It was a good performance. It wasn't as confidence boosting as it could have been because of I think his cross, the way he dealt with crosses, but. The fact that he's made two really important saves early on, you know, he wouldn't have been blamed, I think, if either of them had gone in, which is how good the saves were. It's just it's a good place to be um, because Chelsea have got too many issues elsewhere in the squad still to even be thinking about Edouard Mendy at this point. So for him to just sort of calm that down with a performance like he put in yesterday is a is a massive boost.
2: Yeah, going to move on to, you know, I guess tail of two, two left backs. Obviously, Cookerella did come on in the end as a sort of more of the left centre-back. But, Tom, it's nice to see Ben Chilwell out on a football pitch, you know, starting a Premier League game for the first time in forever. He got five minutes off the bench at Watford, uh, you know, last game of last season. Look, we kind of know it. Got to be patient with Ben Chilwell. Got to ease him in. He was okay. He wasn't outstanding. He wasn't horrendous. It was just average. And obviously, you know, he did play a part in winning the penalty, but I did guess, you know, to contrast that, we saw when Cucurella came on, you know, the threat he did have left centre-back playing nice passes. And obviously, you know, actually did create, you know, Raheem Sterling chance that was brilliantly uh, blocked. Uh, you know, otherwise that would have been 2-0 and game over. But just your kind of thoughts on Ben Chilwell's, you know, return of M- Mark Cucurella's promising debut? Yeah, uh, I actually think it, they, they work
1: well. Um, the whole sort of conversation over Mark Cucurella has been our Chelsea's spending £60 million on a backup left-back. Well, it's not. It's Kukure and Chilwell. They can they can coexist. They can be in the same team together. They can share minutes together. That's the sort of depth that you need in a team. It's brilliant, I think, for Chelsea. Um, and it also, like, the the drop-off now in quality, you could almost argue isn't there, as opposed to Alonso and Emerson. Whichever of them it was going to be this season, if we hadn't got Kukure, it would have been a massive drop-off. And there would have been... Almost no trust there from Tuchel and probably the rest of the team. Um, so from Chilwell's perspective, it's actually good that he's got Kukure because I think he's been a relatively slow start starter for, of seasons. So obviously last year he was out for most of it after the Euros that really affected him. He's now coming back. I think you can see he's not fully, fully confident um, when, when when sort of it feels like he's playing at maybe like 80 percent um, of his of his physical physical ability at the moment. Uh that being said, you saw with the penalty when he drives inside. That's what Chelsea were getting last year from him and James. Those decisive inside runs, um, adding the bodies. I mean, I I tweeted it. Koulibaly's starting position for the for the goal where he plays that pass from, that's almost where you expect Chilwell possibly to be on that left wing back side. He was sort of, you know, halfway to three quarters inside the Everton half. He picks out that pass in between the lines, which I don't think many Chelsea players could actually pass let alone your sort of uh, centre-back and Chilwell pops up in, in the right area. And that that's where Chelsea want him. He He's really good at driving into the box. He's good on the left-hand side, high up. I didn't think he was that good. I didn't think he was that bad. It was like, a again, it was a solid introduction um, for Chelsea who had a lot of question marks to, uh, to sort of answer at the start of the game. And they answered some of them. They didn't answer others. I think that's fair enough on the first game of the season. Mark Cucurella, I'm a massive fan of this signing. Um, I don't really care about the price too much because if, if, you know, Man City were going to pay £50 for him, Chelsea were always going to have to pay basically the same. And I don't think they've got a particularly bad deal with him. He's he's a really, really solid player. Um, And his energy that he added straight away, as you say, I I can't imagine Cucurella starting against Spurs just because of how solid we we know Chilwell is. Though so I think he could struggle, like you said, with Aspilicueta potentially for a little bit of the pace against people like Son, um, but his impact and the fact that Tuchel is so happy to use him straight away—you know, Tuchel has changed, uh, train for for one day, and he was already sort of making his Premier League debut for Chelsea, which is which is really really good. Um, it's a really good good start. Get get him game into the team straight away, and as you say, he, he added energy, and he's got pace, and he's dynamic, and he just. It's in league signings. We've seen it already. We've seen it with Chilwell. We've seen it with other players, Sterling already as well. They take less time, obviously, to acclimatise because they're just moving basically around the country. They know the league. They know the league well. Cucurella only had one season in England, but he looks like he's ready to sort of come into this Chelsea team straight away, hit the ground running. And that's exactly what they need uh, to keep up the sort of momentum at the start of the season. So I was impressed with Cucurella. I wasn't, didn't feel sort of either way with, with Chilwell. I was just happy to see him back out on the pitch. We know if he can get even closer to sort of the levels that he hit before he got injured last season, Chelsea have got. It's a new signing. Ben is a new signing. So I would say treat him like that. Treat him like this is his 1st preseason, And then add in the fact that he's coming back from a massive injury where he's definitely going to be, that's going to play on his mind. That would probably be the way I go with, with Ben Chilwell. I wouldn't be overly critical of him yesterday, but I also wouldn't say that we saw enough of the good things in his game but it's going to be hard for a left wing back or right wing back in Reese James to impact a game like yesterday too positively um, when the rest of the attack isn't clicking ultimately it's not down to them to be the sparks going forward they can be a really healthy addition but it's not down to them so I wouldn't I wouldn't criticize them too much in the attacking sense either
2: yeah, uh, obviously, you know, goal is a penalty from Jorginho. So the Jorginho Golden Boot, uh, Jorginho top goal scorer at Chelsea this season charge is firmly firmly underway. And look, yeah, we don't need to. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna kind of leave it there for individual performances because I think you said there were kind of three or four outstanding players on pitch, and the rest of them were were pretty average yesterday. And I don't want to, you know, felt you know dwell too much on. Obviously, you know, I guess Rhys James. I did honestly think there was a potential Rhys James would get sent off the time wasting, two yellow cards, time wasting. It was that kind of comical and just a bit yeah dumb from us. But look. We got the win. It was nice. And it was an opening day win. And as a result of that opening day win, you know, it leaves us in a good position as we go on to answer your listener questions.
0: Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Revoid. we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
2: Okay, the first question comes in from Akash and it is your midfield two for Spurs. Because some actually didn't, we didn't touch this. Mateo Kovacic was on the bench yesterday and he was an unused sub. Um, obviously, we saw Ruben loftus come on ahead of him, but that was for a wing-back role, so we'll kind of ignore that. But it was quite interesting. Conor Gallagher came on for two minutes ahead of Mateo Kovacic. I know, you know, it's two minutes. How much do you read into it? But considering maybe we don't know if Conor Gallagher is even really going to fit in in that, sort of, you know, in that midfield two position, maybe it's just for Kovacic just maybe not quite where, where Chelsea want him and not quite ready, you know, yet. So just... Easing him in for Spurs next week, or maybe even he's not ready for Spurs just yet. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I guess
1: I think the midfield will probably be pretty similar. I think it'll probably be Jorginho and Kante from the start. Um just just because of minutes played, I thought Jorginho was pretty good just then I thought Kante was really good as well. I thought that they were probably the, the, the two other players that sort of impressed me most, um, outside of the new outside of Sterling, Koulibaly and Silva. Um, I thought that they did they did a pretty, pretty good job, especially in the first half. Kovacic is a strange one. I love him. I've always been a big fan of him, even when other people have sort of criticised him for what he's lacked. He obviously started last season like an absolute train on fire. He was getting assists. He was looking really, really good as sort of progressive as we'd ever seen him. He was he was one of the standouts when he played last season. But it, it's weird. Tuchel doesn't seem to be a massive, massive fan of him um, sort of consistently. He, he does go through periods where he's sort of out of the team. And it would be really, really easy with Kovacic sometimes to sort of, you look through the Chelsea team and you go, yeah, yeah, that's about right. And then you go, wait, there's Mateo Kovacic on the bench. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. He brings something that no other Chelsea midfielder has. And he's a much more natural fit, as you say, into the sort of midfield two um, in a three-man defence than than I think Conor Gallagher is right now. So I, I don't think Gallagher will be involved from the start against Spurs by any means, unless somehow we manage to bring in a defensive midfielder and 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 we changed to a 4 man uh defense but again I, I, that's I don't think that's happening is it um it will be interesting because obviously last season against spurs away we switched to the three man midfield at half time Jorginho Kanté and Kovacic and destroyed them in the second half and then we tried it again a week later and got beaten by man city um and it is something that we have tried a little bit with the the sort of 3-5-2 Um, And I wonder if that will be something that we go in with again. Tuchel might think of that again. Obviously, it was Nuno that we did it to early on last season. It's Conte this time. It's going to be an interesting tactical battle, I think. Um, Kovacic is obviously a brilliant player to have on the bench as well because of what he's like. He's a bit like Gallagher, actually, in sort of his tenacity in midfield. He's proper ratting around in midfield. I love that sort of player. Um, But... I wouldn't be too worried. I, I hope he sort of gets some minutes in, in the tank. I mean, it just shows you. And Golo Kante didn't have a proper pre-season and still comes in and starts the first Premier League game of the season. That That's how good he is. You've got to use Kante when he's fit, basically. Um, and hopefully try to manage his minutes. But early on in the season, Kante's a must-must start. And I think Jorginho probably is as well. I, I can't see him mixing it up too much next week for Spurs, to be honest. Um, as you say with Gallagher in... in in the three, in the three-four-two-one, whatever formation you want to call it, there doesn't seem to be a particularly natural position for him in that um, in that formation, which, which is a worry. I wouldn't say he's anywhere near as natural as Mason Mount would be in sort of one of the forward spots. I'm not convinced he's ready to sort of hold down one of the midfield two spots. He's definitely a player that thrives it, um, in sort of the number eight position in a in a, in a four-three-three. So I. I'm not worried for Gallagher because I think I think he's I think he's too good to not to not be successful even this season when there's lots of players around as you can s- see. Ruben Loftus Cheek is probably going to play more potentially even at centre back and wing back than he is um, as a um, as a centre mid. So I don't think there's there's too much competition for for Gallagher from there. It's it's going to be a tough one to see because Gallagher adds a lot to the team in terms of goal scoring mid from midfield, which none of the other three really do. But again, it's sort of defensive-wise. Perhaps we could see um, a Gallagher in in a midfield three in a, in sort of the three-five-two. Whether that's something that Tuchel would go down next week, I'm not 100 percent sure. And then it's a tough question to see who sort of goes up front with Sterling. Is it Mount? Could it be Broya? Could it be Havertz? It's a lot. There's a lot of questions, and a lot of them we don't really know the answers to because we haven't seen that three-five-two very, very often. But the only way to sort of include Kovacic or Gallagher from the start of next week would be to do that because I think it'll be Jorginho and Kante from the off.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, I'm leaning that way, but I would quite like to see Kovacic start for who I'm not sure yet. But I just think of, you know, Kovacic and Jorginho. We beat Spurs last year of a bridge and those two were in midfield. Obviously, it was a different formation and we'll kind of get into that uh, in one of the later uh, questions. Kovacic um, has
1: had some awesome, awesome games against Spurs in the last couple of years. I remember... Um, Was it the 0-0 under Lampard uh, around Christmas? He was unbelievable in that game. I I thought it was one of the best sort of midfield performances I'd seen in the league that season. As I say, last year, he was absolutely exceptional. Going back to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, was it Tuchel's second game in charge, I think, on that rainy night, Jorginho penalty. Kovacic was absolutely awesome then. So I, I think he is obviously... You know, I don't know how much you read into midfield performances when you don't score or assist uh, against, against teams in terms of tactical setups. I'm not sure what the sort of use of Kovacic would be to sort of exploit Spurs. But he has got a really, really good record against them in terms of sort of memorable individual performances. And I'm a massive fan of his.
2: Yeah. when we kind of mentioned Conor Gallagher there. And this next question comes in from Anna. He was only on the pitch for the last two minutes, but do you think that Conor Gallagher will be a permanent fixture this season now by permanent fixture I'm obviously not going to take that as in starting every week but I'm saying in this squad because as I said we can't discuss it before you know at the start of preseason, it probably did feel quite certain but we're hearing links to Frankie De Jong and there's a question on, I think on Frankie De Jong later but we're hearing links to him as I said there's not really if playing with free back I said he, he's not really at the moment I guess sued for the pivot and he's not really suited for the Mount you Know saying I do not he's suited for a role in between there, which this three of back does not have at the moment. So, you kind of may be thinking if there's a four, if we play a four to back, maybe he's got But It's a tough one for Connor because it was obviously nice. Obviously, he did come on for two minutes, so that was his Chelsea debut, his official Chelsea debut, uh, yesterday. So, that would have been a nice moment for him and all his family. But it, it's a weird one with Connor because he's a clearly a talented player. Tuchel does rate him highly because he you know, he even talks of keeping him around last season before deciding alone. To Crystal Palace, you know, would be best for for his development, but it's it's a weird one, with Connor, because it just feels, you know, kind of everyone. All obviously was like, yeah, come in. He's at midfield. He's basically, you know, like, we've ditched we've ditched Sowell. We've got we've got him back, but again, we're kind of looking at it now. We're kind of thinking, yeah, where does he? Where's he actually kind of fit into this side? It's it's a tough one for Connor, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I really, really hope he doesn't become a victim of sort of other transfer things going on, because Chelsea know they need this defensive midfielder and there's not a whole stack of options out there. Um, We know the number one target, but what's the number two target in terms of getting an actual out-and-out defensive midfielder? And if Chelsea don't get one, then Gallagher is going to be a bit more of a bit-part player this season, which really isn't what he should be. There's obviously going to be a lot of games going on. He still has ambitions to get into the England squad for for the World Cup, I don't think he's going to leave. I think I think we'd have. It, it's it's almost too late for Chelsea to lose Gallagher now. But I don't really see this Frankie Diong signing making too much sense in the short term because, as you say, like you look you look to next season, you think Jorginho and Kante could realistically both leave, which opens up a massive massive role for Gallagher. Um, but if Chelsea don't bring in this defensive midfield, which again only adds another body, then Gallagher's not one of the first three choices for a, for a pivot player and even when you do use him he's a little bit of a risk when you put him in a th- 4-3-3 i think he's much 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 more naturally suited to, to the left side or the right side than kante is even um but then you're going to probably move mount back into midfield at that point which which is just another body in the way of him i want him to be involved because he's absolutely brilliant he really is he's he's Almost a point of difference player. He adds something that Chelsea just don't have. As you say, that that goal scoring from not from penalties, I'll add, um, from midfield. But I I don't know how much he's gonna play this season. If Chelsea are gonna continue down the three four three or three four two one line, which which it looks like they are, which which is gonna be a bit of a worry. Um it, it it's a tough one that there's there's a lot of sort of what ifs and things that could affect Gallagher's minutes in the next couple of weeks over what happens, you know. Is there a chance that a midfielder leaves Chelsea like, you know, we not even counting Ross Barker in this situation, but Carney Chuck Rameka coming in, if he's gonna be involved in the first team spot, you know, that's another player that realistically Gallagher has to compete with. And given how highly rated Chuck Rameka's spoken of, they are effectively gonna be competing for minutes. And Gallagher is not going to be happy with the odd Carabao Cup game that you know. You can see him probably being involved quite a lot, maybe in the Champions League group stage or something like that, which is which would be an honour for him. But is it going to be enough? He wants to be playing week in, week out in the Premier League. He was one of Crystal Palace's best players last season. Palace looked pretty joyless without him against Arsenal, especially in the first half. Um, so it's Tickle's got a, a tough challenge to sort of make use of him this season with with the midfield depth that he's got. The only positive I guess for Gallagher is that if he ha- hangs around this season maybe doesn't play as much as he would want to there will be midfield roles up for grabs next season because people will be leaving next season. Jorginho Kante, maybe maybe both of them and then there's a spot for Gallagher Does he want to wait a year to have that potentially be where he's at? I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I don't see him leaving but I don't think he'll have the impact that people wanted him to have before pre-season.
2: Yeah, no, certainly is an interesting one. Next question, Dan Hill. What was your favourite part of today's performance, of yesterday's performance? What was your favourite part of our performance, Tom?
1: Raheem Sterling. Yeah, simple, <laughs> uh, simple answer. We Definitely, definitely Raheem Sterling. Uh yeah, I, I don't. Know. We've already spoken about him.
2: Yeah, exactly, Dan. We'll we'll leave that one there. Uh, next one. Given that all oh, the new signings, bar Chukwameka, made their debut date, which of them do you think will have the biggest impact this season?
1: Um, I don't know. I let you go first on that one. Uh, I should have. I should have. I should have read the questions.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to optimistically say Raheem Sterling because I said because I did say in the season preview, but. Uh, well, we all said Adam, Daniel and I said Raheem Sterling would be Chelsea's top scorer this season. So we've all, we all optimistically went with that. So I've got to kind of say, if he does that, he's going to have made the biggest impact. But I mean, it was an encouraging start for from Kudibali and Kukareli yesterday. So, I mean, all three of them could make quite a big impact.
1: Yeah, I, I think Sterling's the obvious answer, but that's also the expected answer. So... I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an argument for somebody else where I could say, Oh yeah, but we expect Sterling to be Chelsea's best player. You know, if if Sterling isn't Chelsea's best player this season, it might be a bit of a disappointment for him. You know, that that that, that is sort of how good he is compared to the rest of the team. I would imagine Raheem Sterling would be will have the biggest impact. But could it be Koulibaly? I just, I think I think we'll struggle to see Koulibaly outweigh what Sterling does, especially with Thiago Silva still in the team. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant signing still. Um, There's going to be a lot of Raheem Sterling answers this season, I think.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. Uh, I'm going to sort of combine some of these next two questions. Detailed three questions. Um, did Thiago Silva deserve the man of the match award? Yes. What's your opinion about the debut <laughs> of Koulibaly and Sterling? We have discussed that earlier on. And him and Manan had the same question. Should just start against Tottenham over Havertz? Because Tom, it's a tough. I think. I think. I know. I know. I think. I know what will happen. I'm not. You know. And I think it's habits. Not. I will completely understand that. And I. I won't really complain too much. But as again, we kind of alluded to earlier, have. You know. Well, Brodrick wasn't. You know. Exceptional coming on. He did kind of put himself about a bit more yesterday, and you kind of could see the threat he does pose. He obviously did score against Spurs last season for Southampton. Um, it's a tough one because it's. It just. I guess even people asking the question itself just kind of shows how damning, you know, people have got habits, but also we are a bit, you know, does feel almost a bit light up top, you know, about in that number nine role.
1: Well, I'm not surprised that Chelsea is still looking for forwards this summer. And I know, obviously, the attention is currently on De Jong and Fafana, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went in for not only another winger, but also a striker late on in the window, especially short term. Um, dare I say it, short term, the longer this window goes on, the more sense a one-year loan for Cristiano Ronaldo makes. Um, I'm not going to offer my opinion on on the matter because I don't really know where I stand, but it does make more sense the longer this window goes on and the more Chelsea struggle to score goals. Put it this way, if Armando Broglie starts against Spurs, I won't be disappointed and I won't be bothered. I'll be excited, actually, because that would show a big, big decision from Tuchel. Um which sometimes he hasn't always made. Sometimes he's been a little bit passive and a little bit safe. Havertz is the safe option, I agree with you. I think we'll see Havertz start. And I imagine Brohe may might get fifteen, twenty minutes off the bench again. Um if it was if we were playing uh, let's say, Fulham next week at home, I think Brohe might start. I think Broh might start that game. Um because he deserves that chance. And as I said earlier, Havertz has to hit the ground running this season because Broyer is right up there with him. They are really, really competing. Um Brewer scored two less Premier League goals than Havertz last season in a much, much worse team. There's a lot of questions to be asked with with Armando this year because people don't know what he's going to be like in this new system. Um at Chelsea, you know, how will he how will he do with better players around him. If he gets increased chances, will he score more goals? That would be the logic. He's quite a good finisher. He's got a... I was surprised to see actually how quick he was. I didn't watch too much of him at Southampton last year. But he put on a burst of pace. He's really, really tall. He's, you know, he's a bit like Havertz with sort of quite a bit of a lanky frame. Um, But I'm a big fan of his and I can I can see it being a good season for him if he's offered those opportunities. The only disappointment is that it, the fact that it Spurs next week, I think, has a big, big impact on it um, because it's a game that Chelsea obviously don't really want to be experimenting too much with early in the season. Um, I can see him having playing more games in, in the coming weeks, but maybe next week will be too soon for him. But if he was to start, I'd be all for it. Yeah. I'd almost be a little bit disappointed if he doesn't just because I feel like Tuka will be playing it safe. But I also couldn't blame him because... Tuchel's not seen much of him in preseason we've not seen much of him in preseason either you'd be relying on a lot of things going well if you're going to start bro next week but it's there he's it's in the conversation for sure
0: hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Jumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
2: 18 plus. Yep. Next question comes in from Sean. I know it's just the first game, but thoughts on what profile of players we further need in this window and views on the Fafana Fofa- um, and, and the Young links. I mean, Tom, I guess we'll start with Wesley Fafana. Let's be clear and get this out of the way. The price that Chelsea would have to pay is a joke, and it is more than we should have to pay. But at the same time, we only have ourselves to blame for this. And we are in a position where I still think we need a centre-back. Because I think, let's be clear, most, you know, I don't... Cesar Azpilicueta was right yesterday. I don't think we want Cesar Azpilicueta playing anywhere near as much as he played last year. I and mean, then if we're not playing him as much, you're then also... I mean, and you're relying then a lot on Trevor Chalaber. And Trevor Chalaber, good debut season last year, absolutely fine. But are we ready to, for him to be starting week in, week out just yet? So And look, ultimately... It comes down to maths. We lost Andreas Christensen and Tony Rudiger, and we've only bought in one in Kudabadi. Body. I know you can argue Kukurela can for the centre back, but it does feel, you know, surely from a numbers point of view, we need that centre back. So, thoughts on uh, is for that Man? Are you kind of happy to go for him? Because it said it is the the, the room in price we're paying doesn't does feel like we are seriously overpaying. But we do only have ourselves to blame this due to how we handled the, the Jules Kunde situation. How kind of you know long we've left it?
1: Yeah. I'm absolutely happy with with Wesley Fafana. If you were to put up a list of, of targets at the start of the summer, um, including maybe even like uh Delict and Nathan Ake, dear God, what what was going through anybody's mind at that stage? Um and Jules Kunde and President Kumbempe and all of these sorts of players. Wesley Fafana would be right near the top of my list, I think. Uh, as you say, it is I know he's coming back off the, this injury, but he's 21 years old and He's a really exciting player. And as, as you say, I completely agree with everything you said on that centre-back. You, you've got a 31-year-old in Koulibaly who's gone off with of cramp yesterday, first game of the season, different intensity, fair enough. Thiago Silva, 38 in a couple of weeks. Uh, he's not going to be able to play every single game this season, even if it's dropping him out of Champions League games or something like that. Just give him some rest. You need another centre-back. I completely agree. But I was also swayed. I I, I would be happy enough to go and pay whatever price for Wesley Fofana. And I saw this, I saw it from, I think Jamie Wilkinson tweeted it out and he said, if Chelsea want to sign a high-class centre-back, you're going to have to spend 80, 85 million on Wesley Fofana at some point. Do you sign him now or do you sign him in a couple of years? Obviously the risk is that he's not right now an 85 million pound player. You know, is he 10 million pounds better than Virgil van Dijk was when, when he joined Liverpool? Absolutely not. He's not even close. But in in, in the current market if he's going to become that good, you're going to have to pay that much money for him eventually. Um, you know, you, you could realistically see Fafana going for that much money next season to Real Madrid. People probably wouldn't bat an eyelid, to, eyelid with another year of Premier League experience. It's the fact that he's coming now and isn't exactly massively, massively experienced in the league. Um, he's still a little bit more of a prospect, but he's immediately an upgrade. I think you'd be hard pushed to say that he's not an upgrade on Aspilaqueta and Chalupa. He's probably going to be a better centre-back than Mark Cucurella is. You know, He goes in there and he's probably already the third best centre-back. And in a couple of years' time, you would hope that he's going to be one of the best best centre-backs at the club, if not going for the league. It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And we are spending a lot of money this summer to not get much back. But this was always going to happen at some point with the way that the club has been run. Um, yes, I'm happy with him. Absolutely, I am. He'd be, he, he would be near the top of the list at the start of the summer. Um, as you say, if, if, if it was between Fafana and Kunde for about 60 million, I, I wouldn't be too bothered. It's the fact that it's obviously the extra sort of 20, pounds on top of that. But you say Chelsea have put themselves in this position three and a half weeks to go. Everybody knows how desperate they are. And what's the backup option at this point? We've heard a few names, but nobody as sort of good and immediately an improvement as Fafana. So I think you have to go with it. Yeah. Just just yeah. pay just pay the money. I appreciate testing the waters. I appreciate trying to get Ampadu, loftus Cheek, Hudson Adoy, whoever, Billy Gilmore involved in the deals, Levi Colwell. I, I appreciate that. But clubs know that Chelsea want to do this. Um, so that they're going to have to pay the cash. and It's needed. It's needed. I, th- I think it would be a good investment. It looks like a lot of money now, but in a couple of years' time, the hope would be you sit back and you go, well, yeah, we, we have now got ourselves a £100 billion player sat here and we got him for £80 million, whether that was over the odds at the time or not.
2: Yep, and I guess in the future, you then have your director of football who sees this player a couple of years before he goes big time. And you get him a lot cheaper. Like, again, we could maybe see him, we could correct it, but that is a separate issue. And we can't really put that on the current management considering they're just trying to no. sort of this squad out. Um, then the other part of that was young links. I know we can't talk about it briefly. Tom, I'm going to be brutally honest. I don't look at mid- that midfielder and I go, we need another midfielder. not so, now. So, not yeah. Now. <laughs> I just look at, like, I, again, Frankie Deong, admittedly, I can't say I've watched a huge amount of him since he left Ajax because I've had Ajax eighteen nineteen team was so much fun to watch in the Champions League and ever since he's kind of gone to Barcelona I've not heard his name as much he's clearly a talented player and also I'm going to be brutally honest if us not going for Frankie de Jong means Barcelona just you know going to the abyss I'm all for that I'm all for that as well so look if we sign Frankie de Jong I'm not going to complain because he's clearly a talented player I just question could that money be spent elsewhere and there are probably other bigger priorities right now than signing Frankie Dion. But I guess if a player like him becomes available, you two going to go for him. Tom, anything to add on that?
1: No, one hundred percent. And I think Tuchel even said it last night. He he, he admitted, didn't he, that the, the midfield isn't the priority right now, um, and it shouldn't be. Next season, it may well be, um, but that's long term planning for you. That's the director of football. That's the the impact you're looking long, you're looking longer term. Frankie Dion right now doesn't make any sense. People say Chelsea need a creator. Yeah, but you can you afford to have a creator in 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 this system from from midfield? I mean, the man actually wants to play the man's playing centre back more often than he is sort of playing in a creative midfielder. He's he's just another box-to-box player. Chelsea have already got Gallagher and Kovacic who can do that role. They've just brought in Carney Chukwameka, who's apparently going to have a role in the first team. What what sense does it make to bring in somebody like Frankie Dion, unless you're going to get rid of one of Kante or Jorginho this summer, which actually I'm now less open to now the season started. A couple of months ago, I'd have said, get rid of one, if not both of them. And it was probably a little bit ahead of the game. It was probably a little bit, bit hasty, but that was sort of in the expectation that maybe we go a little bit harder to try and get a certain West Ham player through the door. If saving 70 million or whatever it would be, on Frankie Diong now increases the chances of getting Declan Rice next year by 10% I would do it because that's the profile of midfielder that Chelsea need to actually move on Tuchel's been trying desperately to get this 4-3-3 going and Frankie Diong doesn't really help that I don't really understand this interest at all other than hopefully just a flat on Barcelona
2: <laughs> yeah Richard, yeah exactly uh next question Comes in from RJ, based on the performance, what changes, if any, would you like to see against Spurs tactically and players? Because Thomas, we did kind of mention briefly earlier against Spurs last year. We actually, in three of those four games against Spurs last year, we played about four. You know, three of them all against Antonio Conte. We played that back four and it worked. We obviously I think it tends to be like a four, two, two, two. We kind of had points like ZH almost going, almost filling almost as like a wing back role at points as well. It was like a very different game. So obviously, I guess we're looking at it and we're playing Spurs now and it and we played Spurs in January, but even then, they hadn't signed Dejan Kulezewski and they hadn't signed Bentecourt. And their team is a lot different now. And so we did see him that first game last season, but, you know, um, we did struggle. You know, we did get outplayed sort of in that first half at Spurs and we had to, you know, sacrifice Mace. We brought on, I think, uh, Kante or whatever at halftime uh, in that one. And it's just, how do we, I guess, match up against Spurs? Because we said, you know, this is a big test up, you know, as much as we have a brilliant record against Spurs at home, as much as, you know... They seem to have a mental block against us, and we always do well. Spurs, you know, and Adam. I was Adam said last week he, he spoke to his colleague as and He said this is like the best he's seen Spurs, like most fit, you know, they he'd seen in a long time, and they will be they'll be ready. And we clearly are, perhaps not as far ahead as we are. So, how do we kind of go about getting this result against Spurs? Because is it do we kind of see a pretty similar team to the one we saw against uh, against um, Everton, or do you think you know? Because I'll be honest, I, I struggled to see us moving to a back four again against them. I do think it'll still be a back three, but just you know, your kind of thoughts on how we go about, you know, sitting up against Spurs next week.
1: Can I just can I just say, I, I can see this game being one of the most boring games of the season. Um, Conte is going to be desperate not to lose. And I don't think Chelsea are going to be too much fun to watch even next week either. Um I think both managers right now would take a draw and, just, and just, 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 just get through the game. For Chelsea, they've got a massive point to prove against Spurs. There's a real chance because everyone has been talking about Arsenal look brilliant, Spurs look brilliant, they've done their business, they look better than Chelsea, they look more organised, fitter and all of that. If Chelsea turn up to Stamford Bridge next week and roll over Spurs or beat Spurs, that would be, I think it would be a bit of a shock. I think it would shock a lot of people if Chelsea turned up and beat Spurs next week, which understandably is not the question you asked me, by the way. Um, I can't see Chelsea moving from the 3-4-3 or the 3-4-2-1. I can't see them moving to a back four. And I can't see it being any different to the weekend, uh, to yesterday, sorry. The only thing could be fitness issues. Is Koulibaly fit to play? Hopefully he is. He should be, I would imagine, with a week's rest. We've spoken about bro. I don't think he's going to start. I think it'll be Haberts again. I think it will be exactly the same starting line that plays against Spurs next week. It will be interesting to see how they do because, as you say, they they're starting their their six signings didn't didn't play at the weekend. None of them um, none of them started against Southampton. Conte said he basically valued experience. He valued the players that he that he knew. I wonder if there's something in that. Is there something in that? Is it going to be that much of a different Spurs to the one that we saw? Last season, you know, that everyone spoke about how good their signings have been and how well organised they've been. Yeah, but none of them were ready to play in the Premier League yesterday, apparently. You know, whereas we, we've given four debuts out. I don't mind Chelsea being the underdog going into next week. And actually, I think it probably suits Chelsea more than it suits Spurs because you sort of see what happens to them. Um, even with Conte, it, it, it's not exactly a group of players that are, that are suited to winning. You know, that the signings that they've brought in have been good you know, Richarlison, and Basuma, uh, Kulusevski as well from last season. But this isn't exactly a team of players that are just born winners and they're going to just, you know, take straight over with Conte exactly. Um, so I think there's a chance that Chelsea can sort of go under the radar going into next week. I imagine a lot of the talk will be about Spurs, about what they can do, about how impressive they can be. Um, and secretly, I hope that it stays that way, because if Chelsea can go in under the radar and sort of go about their business this week, relatively quietly um then it would be a really really good week for Chelsea leading up to it I think
2: yeah I mean say I think my only thing I would consider is Cucurella for Chilwell just because I just think he looked more match up more ready more up to speed and I don't think against Spurs you can actually take that risk of playing I think it would be- not.
1: yeah yeah I think it would de- obviously depend what happens this week what Tuchel sees this week considering Cucurella came on after only one day of training, he, he clearly feels like he's he's sort of ready enough to, to to be used at least in part in the Premier League to give him a week. Maybe he will be uh, in there and I, I completely, completely understand that.
2: Yeah, and I said, look, I think Chelsea will still be favourites for Spurs just because we are, you know, still, we did finish above them last year. But I do think the gap has gotten a lot closer between us over this off-season and it will be a tough game. It will certainly be a lot tougher games than we had against them last season. So it's an interesting one. And I think, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see with Spurs. I still think, you know, Chelsea can win, but it's one of those where the only say, the only bit that really scares me is the fact that Spurs, I do think, are just physically, you know, a lot further ahead of us right now mm-hmm. at this moment in time. But in terms of changes, I don't think there will be many changes, RJ. I think it'll be a pretty similar team. I said the only doubt question for me is, does Kukurela start instead of Chilwell? That's probably the only one. And then does Kovacic come in for one of the midfield too? That's the only real Changes uh, that I could see. Uh, two questions left. um This one, surprisingly, when I got it, but I anyway. Tom, what's the deal with liking burnt toast?
1: Yeah, thank you, Ben. Uh, <laughs> this sort of came up in in the TCS chat the other day. I don't really know why. I was getting a bit of an argument with Luca. I, I just like my toast well done. I like it to be a bit of a crunch, a bit of an extra taste to it. And I just think it's good like i'm not talking black toast there was a scale there was like you're sort of completely white toast in the top left hand corner and you're sort of completely black toast in in the bottom right hand corner and i said that i would be on about like a seven or eight on the scale getting towards being pretty burnt i just really quite like my toast well done (laughs) i don't i don't think i need to explain it anymore ben i can't believe you took that much interest in it
2: If someone asks a question, I will answer. I will ask the guests. It's simple. Maybe what they send in. I ask, providing it doesn't cross a line. Uh, Post I, I thought, gate. I thought that. But To's question was was perfectly fine. Uh, final question. And uh, you know, I did save it to last, Dean. You're welcome. I did see your. I did see you said. I did see you know you say that I would save it to last, and I did. Tom, did you feel Goodison, Badison, or indifferent about bad performance and results?
1: Right, I felt goodison about the result. <laughs> I felt indifferent about about the performance, but relatively happy soon,
2: I guess. <laughs> yeah, Dean, Dean, again about that result, I felt very, very goodison, and about the performance, I, I did feel very indifferent. Uh, but yeah, my gen- my general move going in today and this recording <laughs> is goodison. And yeah, what a stupid way to end. But I like it. It was a good question. It was creative, Dean. It was creative. I saw- and it well, was-
1: I'd completely forgotten the question was there and as soon as you said Dean I just went oh no I know what's
2: coming yeah no, cheers Dean that was um, yeah good, good way to end it. look so it's nice to be back it's nice you know Chelsea are back the Premier League season has started it wasn't the most thrilling game yesterday but we still managed to get a decent amount of talking points out of it and I hope you have enjoyed uh, before we go I'll get our guest to give himself one last plug so Tom tell people where they can find you and all your work yeah thank you very much if, if you've put up with me for this long uh go and check me out uh at tom
1: coley 49 on twitter and then also uh lots of chelsea football london stuff um at chelsea underscore fl on twitter really for the for, for, for most of the articles that will go on there um general ramblings and other stuff usually usually moaning about marcus alonso but um Actually, we went all episode without talking about him, which is pretty impressive for me, even though he's not played a single part. But yeah, I'll leave it there.
2: Yeah, exactly. Marcus Alonso may get a mention next week if his moved to Barcelona, has been confirmed by Ben. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter, at Chelsea Pod, we're on Instagram, at that Pod, we're on all your usual podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, etc. Please feel free to leave us a rating and a review. It does go a long way. Play the podcast to anyone with a functioning pair of ears, please. And if any of you are into FPL, we have got our own League, Virtual Podcast League. I'll leave a link to that in the description where people can join. If any listeners were in there from last season, then they should all and they've done their teams and they'll automatically be in it uh from this year. Again, most Salah carry job for me at the start of this, this game week again seems pretty pretty standard to most. Um but yeah, as I said we're on Twitter, on Instagram at Virtual Pod. Play the pod to anyone who will listen. When I tweet it out, like, retweet, et cetera, share goes a long way getting onto other people's timelines. But until the next episode, everybody, keep a blue flag flying high.